Hey, Southridge Church, thanks for joining today. Welcome to Southridge Online. And whether you are in Canada or around this world, we appreciate you and we are glad that you have joined us today. But I would encourage you to do more than just listen today. Visit our website at southridgefellowship.ca. Find out more about us if you're new or join us in community by joining one of our community groups and engage with us in the mission that God has given us to fulfill by either giving financially or serving or just even following Jesus daily. We are so glad that you're a part of us and we encourage you to step into something that God has for you. So find out more at southridgefellowship.ca and enjoy the message. 2013, we had one of our pastors leave us. Greg Lauren and his wife Teresa and their three girls moved to Ontario where Greg became a lead pastor in Ontario. And if you ever met Greg, he left an impression on you. And part of it was his personality. It was a very loud personality. Uh, Part of it was maybe his stature or lack thereof. Uh, But part of it was just his gregariousness for life. You know, When Greg was here, he loved being on stage. He loved being the host on Sunday morning and welcoming people in. And back then, uh, our program used to have our Connect card attached to it. And we would get people to fill it out and then tear it off and hand it in. And Greg developed his own signature line for getting newcomers to take off the Connect card. And if you were around back then, you probably have it burnt into your mind. You cannot forget about it. And he would get people and he would say, okay, let's just rip that bad boy off. And he would encourage then people to put their Connect card in at the welcome desk. And it was stuff like that that really set him apart. But there was other aspects of Greg that were a little unique. And part of it was that he had his own kind of uniform for Sundays. You see, his uniform consisted of wearing blue jeans usually, and then he would uh, tie it together with a Hawaiian shirt, and he had a number of different Hawaiian shirts, so every Sunday, a Hawaiian shirt. And then just to top it all off, he would normally wear Crocs. Hawaiian shirt, blue jeans, and Crocs. And usually the Crocs were some bright color that would really stand out. If he was feeling a little bit different, sometimes he would wear his runners instead of his Crocs. But that was Greg's uniform. And so everyone knew when Greg entered a room, he stood out. You know, Greg would never be confused with someone who had fashion sense. Really, he had his own unique style. And on his last Sunday with us, which was July 13th, 2013, uh, we wanted to honor Greg and his family and um, before they left us to go to Ontario. And they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? And so on that Sunday, I dressed up as Greg. And I have a couple of pictures to show you from that day. Just take a look. And we had a laugh Uh, The whole church just had so much fun with sending Greg off that day. And yes, that is fur coming out of my collar representing Greg's back hair, uh, which he was quite famous for, actually. Uh, He would joke about this, uh, that his hair had slid off his head because he's bald and slid off his head and ended up in other parts of his body. You see, Greg had a great sense of humor and he could really just laugh at himself which was one of the things that made working with him a lot of fun. But there's one other thing I always admired about Greg. Greg, not for his fashion sense, of course, you know, but interestingly enough, I still have that Hawaiian shirt that I wore that day in my closet. Maybe it's time to get rid of it. 
Uh, What I admired him for was this, his willingness to share his faith and to talk about his relationship with Jesus to anyone. You see, Greg bravely jumped into spiritual conversations at any time that he could. Last week, we started a four-week series looking at our new vision. And, and let me just remind you what our vision statement is. It's this, as we follow Jesus daily, we will intentionally take risks to bravely live outward. Now, last week, we zeroed in on that first part of the statement, and we uh, went in-depth on what we mean by following Jesus daily. And today, I want to spend some time focusing on the last three words of our vision statement, bravely living outward or bravely live outward. Three words, bravely live outward. And two of these words are kind of new to our vision and our vision sense and when we're talking about vision, but one of them is not. And that word that is not new to us is the word outward. You see, about seven years ago, we realized that we were becoming too inward focused as a church. And so in 2015, we committed to a new vision at that time, a new statement that started with these words, Southridge will turn outward. We realized back then that we needed to change our orientation. We needed to change from being inward focused to being outward focused. And it wasn't that back then we didn't think reaching out and sharing our faith was important. We just realized at that time that our efforts and the majority of our resources were actually being used on inward-focused activities. Our predominant focus at that time was towards the Jesus followers who were already attending Southridge. And it wasn't that we were going to stop giving attention to the needs of the people in our church. But we realized that if we were going to turn outward, change our orientation, we were going to have to have and and become um, and have a more outward focused bias. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus in verse 8 commissions the disciples and tells them that the disciples will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This verse is an outward-focused bias verse. It's Jesus telling the church, the early church, that they needed to change their perspective from being inward-focused to now being outward-focused to the rest of the world. And uh, it's interesting, if you know the rest of the story of Acts, that it took a little while for the church to realize that they needed to do this. In fact, God uses persecution in Jerusalem to drive the church out into the rest of the world, into Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the, uh, the ends of the earth. And so we learned the lesson of the early church, and we didn't want to get to the place where God might have to use persecution to get us outward focused. We knew that we needed to turn outward. We needed to change our orientation, become outward focused bias, have that as our bias in what, in our decision making, in what we wanted to spend money on, in what we were trying to do as a church. But when that happens, and when it did happen, there became this uncomfortable tension You see, when you decide to turn outward, it means that you are going to make decisions that often cause you to do more work and definitely means it causes you to change how you operate and what you focus on. And change is never easy, right? One of the changes that occurred 
uh, in that time was that we started helping out at an elementary school, James Hill Elementary, and we started helping out with their breakfast program. Another shift when we started to really intentionally turn outward was that we, just, we started to use our benevolence fund, not just for the people in our church who needed help, but people that we came across in our community who needed financial help as well. And so those two little shifts started to change how we viewed our community and what we started to do. And then there was one significant change, and it had to do with our soccer camp. Now, if, now, it's funny to say, but we haven't run soccer camp for a couple of years now. Actually, next summer would be three years since the last time we ran soccer camp. And for some of you, you don't even know what our soccer camp means to us. See, our soccer camp was one of those times in the year where the whole church came together. We would have hundreds of kids going through soccer camp. We would have hundreds of volunteers involved. It was a major effort. And so during this time of re-examining our vision, John, our Southridge Kids Director, who oversaw our soccer camp, came up with this idea. What if we took soccer camp off-site? What if we actually ran soccer camp at James Hill Elementary? And as we sat down and we talked about it, we realized that it would create a lot more work for us. We'd have to transport a bunch of stuff over there. We would have a shorter time to set up because we just didn't have access to the, to the building like we would here. We had more stuff to put away every day because we just didn't, it wasn't at our building or at LCS next door. And yet we made the decision that this was, because of our vision, we needed to do this. It was a lot more work and, and it caused our volunteers to do a lot more. But at the end of the day, it was worth it. Because you see, what happened was, is that every day we would have people who would be walking by the playground, the park, the school, and they'd be asking us, what is going on here? And it would actually lead to spiritual conversations. We had people trained to talk to people who were walking by. And yet, here's one of the funny things that happened. We learned a very valuable leadership lesson when we did that. We learned that if we're going to turn outward, we actually have to provide space and room so that when the people we interact with want to join in with us, we have to have space for them to do that. You see, we had filled up our soccer camp. We had grandparents walking by wondering if they could bring their grandkids into the soccer camp, and we had to tell them no because we had no more room for them. And so over the last couple of years, as we've run Speedway instead of soccer camp because of COVID, we've learned those lessons and we've created room in the schedule for people who are walking by so that we have a chance to spend more time with them and have a greater chance of having a spiritual conversation with them. What an, we even do this with movie rentals. One of the reasons we actually do movie rentals here at the church is we want to use our building in an outward sense. You see, pretty much every time we do a movie rental here, one of our staff generally has an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with one or more of the movie people who are here. Yes, we make some money off the rental, but the more important thing for us is this opportunity to have people who would never come to a church to create moments where we can live outwardly as a church and talk to them about Jesus, talk to them about the things that we do as a church. Now, this creates tensions for us, right? Because every time we rent our building for a movie shoot to come in, it causes disruption with our ministries. 
And oftentimes it's our youth ministry or our worship ministry or our staff or our childcare center that has to pay a bit of a price in order for us to be open in this way, in order for us to live out this outward orientation that we decided and needed to do, you know, seven years ago. But as we looked forward, we realized that turning outward is not always easy, right? And as we thought about what kind of church we want to become, even though we have made strides in turning outward, we realized that that was just the first step. We needed to go beyond that. And so we discerned in this last vision process that we've just gone through that we needed to move beyond turning outward to actually to living outward. You see, when you you change those words from turn to live, it changes the dynamic of what we believe God wants us to do. To turn is just, you know, to face a certain direction. But to live requires purpose. To live requires intentionality. To live means that it is going to govern your life. It is actually going to govern the choices you make in your life. It's about the daily activities that we go about. You see, it isn't about orientation anymore. It's about, it's not just about the direction we're facing because if it's orientation, that can change. It can change based on the situation you find yourself in. It can change based on the day of the week you are living. It can change based on the activities you're doing. It can change based on the people you are hanging out with. Living though, that's a whole other matter. If we are living outward, it means that we are making a commitment to a certain direction and we are sticking with it. We are using that very specific filter to help us decide the choices we are going to make on a daily basis. To live outward means that you are going to live with a bias towards sharing what God has done in your life with others and especially those who don't know Jesus. That's what living outward means. It means it becomes more front of mind. But if we're honest, I think most of us, the call to live outward is a little bit scary. It's a scary proposition to live outward on a consistent basis. And that's why we added the word bravely in front of those two words. We are calling our church, because we believe God is calling us to this, to bravely live outward. Because bravely helps us define, helps us to measure this a little bit better than just live outward. If you read the New Testament, I think you get this image of the Apostle Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. When you read about his life in Acts in particular and even other places in the letters that he wrote, you get this picture that he seemed to be able to be bold, right? He seemed to be able to just share about Jesus. He wasn't afraid to talk about Jesus with anyone, it seems. And even though he asked for prayer, and it seems that maybe he struggled with it a little bit, he seemed to be able to overcome any fear he had and to be able to forcefully witness and share the good news of Jesus and what Jesus has done for him. And yet, you get to this let these two letters in the New Testament, first and second Timothy. And Timothy was a protege of Paul. Paul was like his mentor. And in second Timothy, uh, Paul is writing a letter to him and he's talking to him. And there's this verse in chapter one, verse seven, that says this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It's like Timothy was a little more timid than Paul. 
And it almost seems like Timothy was a kind of guy who struggled with being bold for Jesus. And Paul, in this first chapter of 2 Timothy, is reminding Timothy that it's the Spirit of God that gives him the ability not to be timid. And it goes on to say, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Paul is reminding Timothy that if we try and live outward without the Holy Spirit, we're going to fail. We can be brave because we were meant to be brave because God is the one who gives us the ability to be brave through his spirit. If you go back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Paul in essence is just repeating actually what Jesus says. Let me read the whole verse of 8 because before I only read part of it. Let me read the first part. He says this, but you, and he's talking to the disciples, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you catch what Jesus is saying there? He's saying that the Holy Spirit was the one that gave them the power to be brave, gave them the one, the ability to bravely be witnesses to the rest of the world. It was the Spirit who did that. You see, God does not expect us to be brave, to bravely live outward, without him. And this is a good reminder that sometimes I think we get so caught up in living bravely outward that we forget that it needs to be God living through us in order to do that. And so when we think about the word bravely and we connect it to live outward, I think there's a couple of things I just want to kind of leave with you as you think about that word and how to apply it to your own life. I think, um, Brave, it's easier to be brave with others than on your own, right? So just remember that, that God calls us to be brave and we believe God is calling us as a church to bravely live outward, but God doesn't expect us to do that on our own. He wants to, to help us. His spirit is there to give us power when we're witnessing, when we're living outward, but there, he's also given us a church community. You see, it is easier to be brave when there's others with us than it is to be brave on our own, isn't it? That's why community is so important. You see, seeing other people be brave makes me wanna be brave, and it's kinda like a domino effect. So as you meet in your community groups this week, as you meet young adults, as you meet youth in your small groups, what I really want you to do is I want you to share how you have bravely lived outward this week. Because an example that you might give may encourage someone else in the group to live bravely out in the following week. And maybe you're coming to your group this week and you don't have anything that you can share. Then maybe you just sit there and you listen as you hear others share what God has asked them to do and how God has worked through them this past week as they have bravely lived outward and use the people in your community group, in your small group, to be an inspiration for you realizing that you are doing this together. You're in this together. I think a second thing about bravery is this. Bravery requires resilience, not perfection. You see, when I think of the word bravery, bravery means that we will probably fail at some point. Bravery means that there will be moments when you won't open your mouth when you maybe you should have and said something about Jesus or about your faith or about how God has asked you to live. Bravery means that there might be moments when fear threatens to silence you 
because maybe you've been mocked by that person or maybe you're even being persecuted right now for what you believe. Or maybe some of you are just in real hardships. Bravery is a reminder that sometimes we don't do it perfectly. And yet, bravery is about resilience. You see, I believe the vision that God is calling to us as a church when he tells us to bravely live outward, what he's asking us to do is in those moments when we feel we have failed, in those moments when we haven't taken a stand, in those moments when we have kept silent, in those moments, we need to just commit to God that the next time God gives us opportunity, that the next time something comes along, we will bravely live outward in that moment. It's about committing for the next opportunity. But I also think bravely is one other thing. Bravely looks different for every person. You see, how you express bravery in living outward may look very different from how I express and live bravely outward. We're different people. We're in different situations. And you know what? That's actually the beauty of the church. God using us in different ways to reach different people through different levels of bravery. We may do this differently. And God may call us to do this differently. But I believe God is calling all of us to bravely live outward. You see, as we look forward and as we think about the vision that God is giving us, as we look at what God is calling us to become as a church, as we look forward and even dream of the possibilities of what it looks like. I mean, I, when I think of this, this is what I see and what I dream about. I dream about people coming to know Jesus as their Savior. I dream about uh, people new people coming into our church because they see us living a faithful life to Jesus, following Jesus daily and not afraid to live out, live outward in our community. That we become a church that just naturally shares what God is doing in our life. And in order to become that type of church, in order to achieve what I believe God is actually calling us to as a church, I think we need to pause and be reminded of the ancient roots that we come from. You see, our bravery and the call to bravery is not based on nothing. We have an example. You see, Jesus bravely completed the tasks that God the Father set before him. He bravely went to the cross and died for your sin and my sin. You see, we need to be reminded of that. And that's why we're going to do the Lord's Supper today. You see, the Lord's Supper is that reminder of what bravely living looks like. It's not based on nothing. It's based on the outward and the brave example of Jesus. You see, it also reminds us of why it's so important that we live outward. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians has this great section in verse chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. And not, this is not a normal verse that we normally use when we're talking about the Lord's Supper, but I want to read it to you today. And it says this, therefore we do not lose heart. Meaning we're not going to give up being brave. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, 
but what is unseen is eternal. And what Paul is saying in these verses is this, is that we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to be brave in living our outward because at the end of the day, we are called to bravely live outward because there's so much at stake. There is eternity at stake for each and every person on this earth. And Paul says, no matter what we go through, no matter what we suffer, we are not going to lose heart. We're not going to stop being brave. Because the message we have, that Jesus loves you, the message that we have, that Jesus died for you, is a message that every single person needs to hear. Because eternity is at stake. And that's why our vision of bravely living outward is so important. Our city, our area, our province, our country, our world needs to know about Jesus. And God wants us to tell them. So as we enter into the Lord's Supper here, take your cup and your bread and be reminded of this. Everything that we have in terms of vision for a church is built on Jesus. It's built on the bread which represents Jesus' body that was sacrificed for you. He was killed in your stead. He was killed in my stead. He died so that we would not have to die for the consequences of our sin. So let me pray for the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. I thank you for his body that was our sacrifice instead of us. I thank you that because of that, we can have forgiveness of sins. The juice represents Jesus' blood and, and it's Jesus' blood that covers our sins. It's Jesus' blood that takes care of our sins. It washes it away. And so as we concentrate and contemplate in Jesus' blood, just be reminded of this. There are people that you come into contact every day that need to know what Jesus has done for them. That's why we bravely live outward every day. Jesus, I want to thank you for your sacrifice for us. I want to thank you for the Lord's Supper because every time we do it, it reminds us of what you've done for us. It is the foundation that is built for us to then jump forward into vision. It's a reminder that the most important thing in our life is you and that without you, there's nothing. And so God, as a church, I pray that we truly would come to the place where all of us are living out our vision of bravely living outward. Because when we do that, we will change Langley. Because when we do that, we will change our province. Because when we do that, we will change our world. And that is what you are calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.